Good morning. Welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. Well, today we finish up our three-month-long series on good works. We will review where we've been, and we will use our final time together on this subject to address the Scripture's most effective motivation for pursuing doing good. Thanks for listening as we commit our attention once more to God's Word, and we remind ourselves of the importance of serving God by serving others. I want to begin by giving you a reminder once more as to where uh, we have been in the last uh, three months studying what it means to do good. Um, you are not saved by your good works. They won't, they won't do a lick of good for you. Instead, they are evidence of the work God has already done in our lives. And therefore, they are a proclamation of the gospel. They are the undeniable, tangible witness of a transformed life. That is what they are. The very best way that you and I will be activated and motivated on towards good works for our neighbor is only when we allow our hearts to be broken. It's only when we see the plight they have, when we put ourselves in their shoes and therefore have the ability to reach out to them because we find that common sense of compassion that so moved Jesus to heal during his time here on earth that he now gives to you and to me, that this is now our privilege in obedience and activity to carry on the same work that he did By being moved in our hearts to love one another. I've shared the story before. When I was uh, 16 years old, my parents and I uh, and our family went out west to visit a family friend. And uh, the the daughter of this family friend, her name is Brianna. uh, She was having her 16th birthday for her sweet 16. She wanted to go whitewater rafting. And so I got to go whitewater rafting with her and a bunch of her friends. And I got to sit in the front seat. Uh, of the raft and there uh, uh, Brianna was here and I was seated next to her and our instructor had told us now there's this one spot to watch out for the rapids get really bad you gotta watch it and as soon as the boat hit the rapids it tipped up on its end and I remember going in slow motion watching Brianna begin to fall out into the water and there like a superhero I reached over <laughs> And I grabbed hold of her life preserver, and here, I got it documented. It was amazing. Uh, That's me up in front, reaching and and grabbing her and pulling her back into the boat, saving her life. It was awesome. (laughs) I want to submit to you that the only way I was able to do any good in that moment was because we were in the same boat. If we were in different boats... There's there's less or little that anyone could have done. But when you find yourself, when you place yourself in another's situation, when you seek to identify with the, the place where they're at, do you know something amazing happens? God now extends your reach so that you are now able to help in a way that you couldn't help before. Uh, One other metaphor that comes to my mind when I think of this is that of a mom uh, when uh, the car in front of you stops unexpectedly. And uh, if you're sitting in the passenger seat, some of you know where I'm going with this already. What do moms instinctively do? Immediately, right? They're they're thinking of others. They're, They're seeking to protect those and help those who are with them because you're in the same car, because you're in the same boat, because you're in the same situation. Uh, Today's title for Do Good 
this being our final installment, even as we look to continue it, but moving on after today, is called empathy. And empathy is the ability that you and I have to understand another situation because we feel what they feel. It's not sympathy. It's not, oh, I feel bad for that loser. It's not, ah, poor guy, right? It's not that you extend emotions beyond yourself. It's that you take their emotions and you place those upon yourself. There is no better motivation for ministry than empathy. And so I find this as a fitting place for us to conclude. And even as we do, I want to give a point of review to where we've been. So if this is your first Sunday with us, you picked a good one because we're going to be doing a quick five-minute overview of the past three months. Um, Our very first Sunday, we looked at encouragement out of a passage in Hebrews where the writer says um, that you need to continue to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. And encouragement teaches us that good works are energized when we have somebody with us. Now, this was a long time ago. This was, this was before Valentine's Day that we looked at this, even if you can remember that long ago. Um, I offered an excursion to the church on this, which was I asked you to find three people to pray for. I want one person for you to actively seek to do good. And do you remember what the two stood for? What was it? To find a, a prayer partner. You, you will likely fail at doing good if you're all alone. You will likely succeed if you're paired up with somebody to encourage you and to help you. Now, this prayer partner in you is a chance to be accountable, and and I have mine. We text one another every week. I'm so grateful that I'm not alone in seeking uh, the Lord's will to do good, but I have somebody fighting alongside with me. This strategy comes from Jesus himself. When he sends out his disciples, how does he send them? In twos. He sends them in pairs so that if one falls down, the other can pick him up. Encouragement is where we begin if we're going to seek to do good. Second week was embodiment. This came out of 1 John uh, 3.18 with the theme that uh, you are a reflection of that which you love. So what do you love? You know, it's, it's pretty easy to, to see people motivated by, the, by game day, isn't it? I mean, we're in spring right now, but I'm hungry for fall already. Dun, 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 dun. I'm ready, right? Um, yeah. Do you have to motivate people to watch the game? No. Why? Because they love it. Because they love it. So we are motivated. We are equipped and, and, and energized by those things that we love. The lesson here was that a love for Jesus will produce a love for others. So the call to the church is to be very careful how very close to idolatry we become with putting something ahead of Jesus. But if you put Jesus first, this will undoubtedly then lead to a love for others. Third Sunday was on evangelization. This was a key passage from 1 Peter. Chapter 2, Peter says, I want you to live such good lives among the pagans. As, as though you didn't even belong there, as aliens as, as, and sojourners on earth. He says, let go of the things that plague your soul. Sin, like put it aside and instead live good lives among the watching world that they will see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he, that he visits us. This being a, um, a key passage that defines for us how we are seeking good works to be the avenue for the good news. Uh, the lesson here we called was the, it was the visible good news. 
Fourthly, we talked about endurance. This was, this was especially impactful in my life at the time. Out of Galatians 6.9, Paul says, Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest. And if you can remember back, what does God most often tell us when we pray to him? Four-letter word? Wait. Oh, come on! <laughs> right? Uh, it's so hard to wait. I love my, uh, uh, my daughter ever since she was so small, uh, you know, Whatever the next holiday was, she would just say, it's so hard to wait. It's just so hard to wait. But it's true. Sometimes you need to wait because there's a proper time. You ever, you ever bite into something that wasn't fully ripe? Right? It's not ready yet. The, the, the time's not there. There's still a timing that God has planned for this. So don't grow weary. Don't give up in doing good. And if you're anything like me in ministry, there have been times in your life where you've just been like, why bother? I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's okay. You're not alone. You're not alone. This is the whole deal. This is how we feel. Don't give up. So how do you not give up? Well, you, you really accomplish this by putting your confidence in God. Uh, the, I, I try not to preach the whole message over again, right? But the, the I, key problem being, you and I grow most weary when we think the whole thing depends on who? Yeah, I got to carry this whole burden. And God said, why are you... Stressing yourself like that. Give that to me. I got this. I got this. <sighs> All right. I'm not going to grow weary. Put my confidence in God. Fifthly, we talk about evidence. Important, important passage. One that's not preached very often in Protestant churches out of James chapter 2. James says that faith without works is dead. Ooh, what a, what a, what a dangerous thing in our world today that Christians would be deceived Thinking, I'm off going to heaven because I, I went to church or I, I, I paid my tithe. Uh, but there's no evidence of transformation in their life. They're claiming to have a faith, but their faith isn't living. It's what? It's dead. It's a dead faith. And so the challenge here from James was to examine your faith. Make sure that it's actually running and working properly. And when it is, it will always, a, a saving faith will always be accompanied by evidenced Works Again, you're not saved by your works, but your faith in Jesus, which saves you, will always produce good works. Sixthly, we talked about equality as our world um, uh, was, and I still think in many ways is confused on this subject. Uh, it's important for us to pay attention to what the Bible says. A key passage out of 2 Corinthians, uh, Paul says that those who gathered little didn't have too little. Those who gathered much didn't have too much, quoting from the Old Testament passage of God's delivering manna to the, to the, um, to the Hebrew children. Uh, here our lesson is, and, and I characterize it in a full sentence, that all Christians, what is equality? It's all Christians. Some Christians, say it with me, all Christians freely meeting one another's needs as a witness of Christ's example. So every, everybody has a role to play. Your role is going to be different than your neighbor's. Your gifts aren't the same as those around you, but everybody, if we're going to look at equality, everybody gets to contribute. And when we do that properly, we actually reflect what God has done in the giving of his son to us. Seventh, engagement. Really the entire book of Titus, especially chapter, the end of two into chapter three, is all about evidencing good works. Paul writes to Titus saying this, be very careful to devote yourselves to doing Good. Uh, as we looked at this as a point of reminder, you might, you might recall uh, that the challenge is, as much as I'm careful to be devoted to it, 
It's easy to get caught up in some ruts. He says you need to avoid the controversial discussions. Those things that divide people, those are ruts. You're not going to get progress. You're not going to move ahead. You're going to get stuck. So be done with those things. And then to warn a divisive person. And then warn them a second time. And after that, have nothing to do with them. Because he says they're, they're warped and sinful. They are allowing sin to, to control them. And that's like a weed in the life of the church that needs to be addressed. So careful devotion to doing good means avoiding the ruts and avoiding the weeds. Uh, eight was Easter. Uh, it's no longer do good. It's done good. Uh, from Romans 8, what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful man and thereby making propitiation for our sins. Uh, what an amazing, amazing passage. So the great news that coming, comes out of Romans 8 is there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What God has done begins the good that he will now do in us and through us. Ninth was execution. James one twenty two. remember this one? Uh, don't be just hearers of God's word, but doers. Yeah, boy, that was enough to go, uh, go home and pray after that one, right? Don't just hear it. You need to be willing to do it. And uh, the key theme here is that good works and the good news are inseparable. They always go together. Last Sunday, we looked at being equipped in Ephesians 2.10. You are God's workmanship. Remember, his artwork, his design created a brand new creation, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us, for us to do. Remember those four little words? For us to do the proper way as we uh, examined that last clause. So here God has equipped you to display his gracious plan through your life. That brings us to today. Thanks for your patience as we were just able to review this. I want to make sure that as you see, Sunday morning is just not a happenstance. Hey, let me find a spot in the Bible and preach for 45 minutes. There's a strategy behind this. Um, I want want us to together be equipped to know how to obey God. And that, in that way, the whole church being grown together towards maturity, we're going to be so much stronger as we unite our hearts and minds together. So today, as we wrap it up, is about empathy. Hebrews uh, chapter 13. Uh, we started in Hebrews. We're ending in Hebrews. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. I want to, again, submit to you that you can only reach where you can see the need. And, and the more that you allow your heart to be moved by compassion the more God will advance your ability to reach and to do good. Hebrews chapter 13, one short verse. Um, And and as we do read through it, uh, just a little plan for where we're going to go in the next couple minutes. Um, Four points of observation for us. And then when we get to the conclusions, I I want you to watch for something unique. Uh, you, You know how when you're watching a good movie, there's like a twist at the end and you're like, whoa, never saw that coming. There's a twist this morning. So I I want you to watch for that as we get to our conclusions. Hebrews 13, verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. All right, very short verse here for us. Four main things I want you to see concerning the theme of empathy. Number one is this. Empathy reminds us to do good. Having that understanding of one another's feelings will be the evidence in your heart that will remind you 
that you and I need to be people characterized as doing good. In verse 16, the NIV has the word, don't forget. Don't forget. Um, Other versions put the word, do not neglect. Uh, Your version might say something slightly different than that. The Greek word here uh, literally means uh, that you don't lose care. What do I care? I don't care. Who cares? There's a story of a of guy trying to earn his righteousness. He says, I kept the whole law. Um, uh, Jesus says, uh, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Is what the sum, summation of the law is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, wanting to justify himself. Who's my neighbor? Now, you know the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan, right? Think with me on a moment for this, right? You had a priest and a Levite that came along ahead of time. And they saw the guy, but... I mean, I'm imagining the priest had a meeting because I got a lot of meetings too, so I kind of know what that's like. And it's like, I'd, I'd love to help. I'd love to help, but ah, I got to go. And the Levite, you know, probably knew that touching a person who looks dead is going to make him unclean. And he's got priestly duties to carry on. So, like, this is going to totally complicate his day. Uh, Jesus doesn't tell us the reasons why, but what we know is neither of these two individuals stopped to help. But the text says that when the Samaritan saw him, He had compassion on him. The Greek word for compassion means to have your guts wrenched. It's a a goofy word. It means to have your your guts twisted in you. I think the closest English idiom that we have is my heart went out to them. You've heard that before, right? Boy, my heart just goes out to them. It's like this this visceralness you feel in your bowels, in your heart. Jesus calls that compassion. And it's compassion that moved this Samaritan to bandage him, put him on his donkey, pay for his way, come back and check check on him. Because empathy, it reminds us to do good. Why do we need to be reminded? I think it's because we live in a world that makes it too easy to forget. It's so easy to forget. I think that a couple of reasons might be, number one, we're too busy. Number two, we might think somebody else's job. I'm not responsible. I think maybe the priest and the Levite fall into those categories. Or one that I think is probably more prevalent, which is we are too consumed by ourselves. I think that is why you and I so frequently fail on helping others. Because we live in such a rich time, in such a rich country, it is so easy to be bombarded, as we constantly are, with all the things and toys and privileges and pleasures we can have that we just forget. And so we don't care. It's the glitter of this world. It's having been deceived by our own appetites. And it's having the abundance of comforts in our country. Now, I'm not myself completely in making this up. I think it actually comes in chapter 13 a little bit earlier. If you go back in your Bible and look with me, starting in verse 12. So chapter 13, just look back a few verses in, in verse 12. It says, and so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he, he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. We are looking for a city that's, that's going to last What you have right now will not last. This is why Paul reminds 
Titus with this command. Remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, and to be ready to do whatever's good. And if you go back to chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, you'll see the same theme from verse 14. Drawn out once more. Speaking of those who have faith, the writer says all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Here is not home. I can't stress that to you enough. The reason why we need to be reminded to do good, I think, above all things, is that we are so easily drawn astray by the things that make it deceive us to think that this is home now. And it's not. You, you and I need to be longing for a heavenly city, one that is to come. And when we do, empathy will help to remind us to do good. Secondly, empathy grows when our faith is relational. Now, that might sound obvious. You need to know your faith better be relational. Uh, Jesus says to those who, who bring their works, look at all the good things we do. And Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. So being known by God is the role of the spirit within us. So clearly your faith must be relational, but that's not the relational connection that I'm speaking of. The relational connection I'm speaking of is not the vertical, it's the horizontal. God did not save you to live in a mansion in the UP or save you to have a beautiful vacation home somewhere here on this earth. Here is not home. He has saved you, elected you, pulled you out of darkness because he wants you to live for a heavenly home. And it is, it's that heart that seeks to find others in the plight that they're in that causes us to do good. Your faith must be relational. To look on the horizontal and see that which your neighbor is suffering with. Have you ever heard this phrase before? Finish it for me. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, that's the problem. If, if you're never connecting with your neighbor, if you, if you never darken the door of the threshold of their home and see what they're going through, what good are you going to be able to do? You don't know because your faith is not relational. You don't see what they're going through. So you have no reach to be able to help. Empathy, a desire and a love to hurt the way that they hurt is going to find easy activation in your heart to give in a way beyond what you ever thought you would do because God works that in us. When your faith, when my faith becomes relational and we see the needs, we then see how God has equipped us to help meet those needs. We have this, uh, we have this shelf at the top of our stairs if, if you were at our, at our house and in the very bottom cubby, there's a plant. <laughs> Who thinks that's a smart place to put a plant? <laughs> the bottom cubby of a shelf. Uh, I ran it. I was just happening to glance the other day, and I look. I saw this plant, and you know what it looked like? I mean, it is the most wilted, sad-looking plant you've ever seen. What, why is it like that? We forgot. We didn't care. What's, I care. I want to keep my plants alive, right? I want to do good. I don't want him to die. So why, why did I? It's not that I don't care. Out of sight, 
out of mind. And it, it's in a place that's just hard to see. So, yeah, this is the same problem that you and I have uh, with needing to help. And I, 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 I give you the illustration of the rummage sale. Right. We asked, can, it, can everybody pitch in after last Sunday? And, and did you remember what it looked like if you were here? Do you remember what that looked like? How fast did that get done? That was like 15 minutes. And it was done. Everything was moved up. Look at all the money that was, that was generated for, our, for camp, for kids. Why? Because of what, it, what happened. Everybody did what with the rummage sale? We all pitched in. Everybody helped. When your faith is relational, when it's connective, when it's networked, when it's cooperative, we bring a mutual contribution that makes the whole so much greater. Empathy will help get you there. Thirdly, oh, let me, let me give you this verse first. Uh, Hebrews 10. Uh, we, we almost looked at this already on our very first one where he says, encourage one another as long as you say, see the day approaching. This is the next verse. It says, don't give up meeting together as so many are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So uh, uh, here to remind ourselves that we need the relational incarnational in our flesh to see one another, help one another, hurt with one another. When I see Dawn this morning, tell me about her niece and I see her tears. My heart breaks her breaks and it, it longs to pray for her. Now, I didn't know I needed to do that until I did what? Until I saw her. So make sure that your, your faith is relational. Third, empathy, empathy-driven ministry is sacrificial. If you look back with me in the text, verse 16, the writer says, don't forget to do good and share with others. There's the, the sharing. That's the Greek word koinonia. has to do with fellowship together. It's the next clause, though. It says, for with such sacrifices. That's a really unique word. I could spend 25 minutes taking us through the, the, the stream of the book of Hebrews to talk about the emphasis upon sacrifices, but I think I can summarize it a little bit quicker. Sacrifices here mean that you will give beyond what you were prepared to give because empathy has drawn it out of you. It's not forced. It's not coerced. It's freely given, but it's freely given because you have had your guts wrenched by compassion. That's the exact word that we find used here in verse 16. These are a kind of sacrifices. Paul uses the same word here in Romans 12, thinking of God's mercies. When you see, when you relationally understand what God has done, he says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. When we pursue ministry that's driven by empathy, you will give more than you ever thought you could. It was 2015, I think. It was, it was before I came here. Uh, Pastor Dave had been battling cancer. And this church thought, we want to help Dave and Marie. And we want to do a benefit in their honor. You guys remember this? Raise your hand if you were part of that, if you remember that time that you were here. Good. Um, I, I remember coming on the, the tail end of that. Was it 15, Chris, 2015, 16? Somewhere in that neighborhood, right? Yeah, so just, just before I got, because I remember hearing about it. I remember, I remember the, the amazement from the members of this church because, and I knew what the budget was at the church. This church gave 70% of their annual budget on one benefit. That's amazing. That's unheard of in churches. You, you gave, a, a, normally what this church brings in for a year, in, in one benefit, 70% of it was given. Now, why was that? It is, was Pastor Dave's life 
any more valuable than anyone else's life? No. He's a child of God just like the rest of us are. So what is it? What is it that caused this little church in Segola to give with such generosity? It's not a trick question. It's the first word. It's empathy. It's empathy. You, 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 and was it hard to give? Were there people like, fine, I'll give, I guess. No, you were excited to give. Everybody was willing to give. And you went so far, light years beyond what any other church does in a benefit because your hearts, your hearts were moved with compassion. And so it was easy to give. It was exciting to give. It wasn't hard to give. I want to do an experiment with you real quick. Can, can we do that? Um, just close your eyes. And in your mind, I want you to think of somebody in your life, not your parents, but someone in your life that made an impact, a positive contribution in your spiritual growth. Think of an individual who really matters to your story. Not, not your mom and dad, but somebody else. Everybody got somebody? Okay, open your eyes. What was it that they invested in you? I bet it was more than just money. I bet it was time. I bet it was energy and talent. And I bet it was sacrificially given. Empathy-driven ministry will lead to sacrificial giving, and it's beautiful in that case. Remember the story I just shared of the Good Samaritan? Right? He gave up of his plans. He gave up of his wealth to take care of another because compassion is what drove him. Last is this. Empathy for others in service is actually serving God. Empathy for others, as evidenced by good works in service, do you know what it actually is? You're not actually serving them. You're actually serving God. Look with me one more time in verse 16. And don't forget to do good and to share with others for with such sacrifices, look at the, look at the ultimate re- recipient. Who is it? It doesn't say they are pleased. It doesn't say they are thankful. It doesn't say they are honored. It says God is honored. God is pleased. I want to take a moment and I want us to read one other passage as we begin to wrap things up here. If you are willing, you could turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. We were there last week. We read part of it. Um, Tends to be kind of an unpopular chapter. People don't like to talk about it too much. But uh, this is the word of God. Whether you like it or not, we will submit ourselves to it. And um, I want you to see the connection with this observation that empathy for others in service is actually serving God. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to start in verse 31. It's page number. Page 1450 in the Pew Bibles. Jesus here speaking of his return. This is, this is future for all of us today. All right. So this is something for you and I to really pay close attention to. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him... He will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king shall say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom Prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Well, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Well, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. We could spend more time on that. There's like three hours worth of things I want to preach from that, but just one, just one observation. Those who are commended by God didn't even know it was Jesus. They didn't even know that when they were helping those who were in need, that they were actually doing it for Jesus. Did did you catch the question? They're like, you're giving us credit for this, for doing it for you, but we don't remember you being there. When did we do this for you? And the reason is because they did not do it to be saved. They did not do it to get reward. They did it out of a compassion. They did it out of an empathy for whoever was hungry. They did it out of just a desire to help whoever was needing clothes or was sick. And God says, when you do it that way, when you serve others with empathy, you're actually serving me. The Apostle Paul will tell us in other places, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. All right. So if we're going to wrap this up. Um, I'm, I'm going I'm to seek to build our conclusion here from, from uh, working backwards, four, three, two, one. So four was talking about serving God. So if, if we're going to seek to serve God, well, that means being willing to sacrifice. That was our third observation. Serving God means sacrificing uh, the, the, the relational connection here, your time and your talents and your possessions, and to be reminded to do this out of empathy for others. Serving God means sacrificing your time, talents, and possessions for others. Geez, wouldn't it be easier if I could just write him a check? Yeah, you could, you could, but you're going to miss the blessing. You're going to miss all that God wants to do relationally in their lives. I'm so grateful to our church. I'm so grateful for so many of you that actively want to glorify God by being light in this world. We, You have a, a real privilege worshiping here amongst so many just godly men and women um, there's no resting on your heels though there's no coasting in fact we need to do the opposite because we live in a time of division we live in a time of confusion and so we need to all the more redouble down on empathy 
When the world wants to accuse us of wrong, you allow your good works to speak for you. People won't be convinced if you try to defend yourself. That won't convince them. So let Jesus be the judge. And on that day, he will be the one who says, that which you did for others, you were actually serving me. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, are you ready for the twist? Here's the twist. Go with me back to the book of Hebrews. Because the second conclusion is that in this way, in serving God in this way, you are going to be confirming the gospel message. And the reason why I want to end with this is because this is the whole goal for 2021 and 2022. The whole scheme behind this this program, again, is that you build bridges with those who need Jesus by loving them, tangibly loving them. It ain't hard to do to just give somebody a gift and love them. We, we overcomplicate the whole thing in our world today because they think it's political or I don't want to offend and block. Just get over it. Go love them. It's easy to do. And as you do, you will be building bridges and opportunity to share the good news with them. Hebrews 13. If you're in verse 16, what's the first word you have there? Does anybody have a conjunction and I, I was a little bit tricky with you this morning, starting in the middle of a thought, because we actually have to back up to verse 15. And verse 15 teaches us this message. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that confess his name. And don't forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God's pleased. Did you see how it connects together here? The message of the gospel, the fruit of your lips that confess Jesus as Lord, as Christ, that is confirmed when you do good and share with others. All right, I'm, I'm hoping that that's for everybody today like a, all right, pastor, I see what you did there. Yeah, I get it. When we do good, we're actually confirming the message of Jesus as our Lord. And so what can you and I do with this today in application? I'm going to steal from Bob and CJ once more. Each one, reach one. And in the same way that I was able to help Brianna because I was in the same boat with her, I submit to you that you will be able to help others by being in their same boat and letting compassion motivate you. Now, I'm going to wrap up here just one more minute and we're done. What I don't want you to take away from the last 11 messages, the last uh, three months, is that you need to go be a missionary. You are a missionary. I want to make sure that you don't falsely think, all right, I got to start doing all this stuff now because, wow. You need to look across the street. You need to look across the cubicle. You need, you need to look at the, that place where God has already planted you and realize he is leveraging your gifts and situations to be light right where you are. Now, for some of us, it means becoming a foreign missionary, and that is awesome. But I don't, here's what I don't want. I don't want you and I to think that when Jesus says, uh, therefore, go make disciples, it means you've got to go off to the ends of the earth, even though he will send some off to the ends of the earth. That first verb is a participle. Go means going. As you're going, make disciples. And so, church, where are you going? You're going somewhere. You're already on your way. The command to you and I is that we make disciples wherever we are at. 
I don't want you and I to have a kind of spiritual paralysis thinking, I got to make sure I do all this and get all this education and make sure that I'm all prepared and then I'm going to go serve Jesus somewhere. He's given you the opportunity right now, right where you are. Don't waste it. You, you don't get to take it with you when you go, by the way, right? There's no uh, U-Hauls behind hearses. So whatever God's given you, now is the time that he's given you to use it. So with that, um, a final illustration. You, you maybe heard the story of, of the guy who, who was walking along the seashore and, and saw a starfish. Have you heard that one? If you have, I'll share it with you again. He's, he's walking along the, sh- the shore um, and, and he, sees, he sees a kid out there throwing starfish back into the ocean. Uh, as he approaches the, the kid, you know, after this storm that washed all these starfish up onto the beach, he says to the kid, you know, you're wasting your time, right? You're totally wasting your time because you're never going to make a difference. Look for the miles and miles down the seashore of all these starfish. You're never going to make a difference. And the kid reached down, picked up one. I made a difference for that one. That's you and I. Don't overthink this. Each one... For each one, do good. Amen? You know what the coach does? He says, everybody put your hands in. Let's just try that, right? So everybody do this. Come on, don't make me look stupid up here. Everybody reach in, all right? Hand, all hands in. Uh, do good on three. Ready? One, two, three. Do good. All right, let's pray.